0: You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast, where we dig into dealing with those pesky weeds. Welcome to the Weed Smart Podcast, this is our last one for the year and today we're going to catch up with experts from each cropping region in the eastern states as everyone knows they've had some pretty tough conditions with lots of wet weather so we're going to be talking about wet harvest and, and how to deal with some of the issues that come up from that. We'll be hearing from agronomist Peter McKenzie from the northern region and our high rainfall zone agronomist Jana Dixon, she's based in Clare, South Australia and Greg Condon who is our southern extension agronomist based in Junior, in New South Wales. My co-host is of course Peter Newman joining me for the last time in 2022. How are you going Pete?
1: Oh, I'm very well Jess, very well. How are you?
0: I'm good, feeling festive. I'm, I'm very excited about uh, yeah the uh, Christmas holidays because I'm going to Tasmania so uh, yeah quite an exciting thing just around the corner going to see some wombats and echidnas and do some <laughs> hikes and all that kind of jazz. How about you?
1: Ah, uh, fantastic, Jess. Uh, nothing as exciting as that. Just a bit of uh, Christmas with the family, and uh, no big holidays planned. The Christmas tree has been has been dressed in our house Fair by nice. our children. <laughs> and this year, I didn't have to go and cut it. Not, so. We've got these centurion sort of cactus plants in Geraldton, and they have this big spike that looks like a bit of a desert Christmas tree. And every year, I have to go and. Cut a new one down and I come out of there bleeding oh because they're gosh. the spikiest So I didn't have to do it this year, so that's a win.
0: Oh, nice. What, how'd you end up getting uh, your tree then?
1: Oh, we had last year's one.
2: Still Very good. Yard.
0: Excellent. That's great. All right. Well, so as we mentioned, we're going to be talking about dealing with a wet harvest and obviously conditions in WA have been quite different. Can you give us a bit of an overview of how things in the West have been?
1: Yeah, Jess, I mean, we did have a bit of a rain-affected slow start to harvest in WA, but as you're going to hear, nothing like mm. the other states. So um, a little bit of a later harvest. Uh, where I am in the Geraldton region here, we've got some people finished. Um, they've, they've had a good run, so it was a little bit slow at start. We've had a really good run through harvest, and as you've been hearing, very good yields and so on. And um, the south of the... Of the state, they uh, you know much later start to harvest, and they're into it now. But there's going to be a lot of harvesting through January in WA. But yeah, all it's all positive news now, Jess. We've got still got good quality grain, and um, and the yields are very very good. So, all very positive here.
0: Great to hear. And uh, Pete, before we jump into the interviews, I just wanted to mention that, you know, in the last podcast, we did uh, update you all that Dolby Weed Smart Week had to be postponed. So that event is live now. It's now going to be on February 7th and 8th uh, next year and tickets are on sale. The program is also live and on the website. So I'll be providing the link to that in the show notes. And yeah, please uh, tell all your friends because obviously, you know, it was originally in December and so we want to avoid as much confusion as possible. It's definitely still on. It's happening in February. Uh, so if you're in the Northern Region and you know someone or yourself wants to go, uh, definitely check the show notes to get the link to the uh, tickets. But Pete, let's get into today's interviews. We're going to be hearing from Peter McKenzie, who's from the Northern Region first. And uh, yeah, obviously they've had some pretty tough conditions over there. Did anything strike you about this conversation?
1: Uh, We're going to hear a very common theme through all three of these interviews, aren't we, Jess? And just about (laughs) the very, very wet year and the very wet start to harvest and how we've got some big weed blowouts and we're going to be dealing with those for a number of years. Uh, And so, yeah, it can be be pretty, I don't want to say soul-destroying, but it's a bit negative for growers when they've, you know, many growers spent a lot of years running down seed banks and you get a year or two like this and then they're sort of back to a very high seed bank. But uh, on the positive side, we know what to do, but it's just um, a lot of work getting that seed bank back down. So we're going to hear a lot about that from from Pete. But all of our all of our interviews today.
0: That's right, and yeah, I'll put some notes in the show notes too. If you just want to jump to the section that uh, you know specifically relates to your region, you can do that. But uh, otherwise, they all do have a you know variation on on the same kind of issues. So it's definitely worth listening to all of them. Let's jump into this chat with Pete McKenzie. I'm chatting with Liverpool Plains agronomist Peter McKenzie from McKenzie Ag Consulting. How are you going, Pete?
3: Yeah, great, thanks, Jess. How are you going?
0: Good. Love the new name. So this is a, your soft launch with the, with the new name, McKenzie Ag Consulting. How's everything been going for you?
3: Uh, yeah, we've been quite busy over over winter, sort of making a few changes both for our company and trying to keep up with the wet conditions.
0: Yeah, so it's been a really wet harvest for people in your part of the world. Can you talk a bit about how growers have you know, coped with those wet conditions at harvest?
3: Yeah, further north, sort of up around Moree, sort of bogabry and Narrabri, that's been difficult for them. They've been dealing with quite a lot of flood water um, and flooding going through crops. I have heard some pretty reasonable reports coming back, you know, once the water's gone and people have been able to harvest it, there hasn't been too bad a quality. Further south down here with us, we've really only just started most of the canolas off or coming off, and next week we'll sort of see people into barley pretty solidly and then into wheat in the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, right. And so, you know, are there any compromises that people are having to make at harvest, you know, given those wet conditions? Are they having to change the way they do things?
3: Uh, Probably, Yeah. You know, it is drying up quite well here now. So touch wood, we get a few dry weeks of and get a run at it. But yes, you know, it's always an issue here. We've got the threat of summer storms coming through all the time. So, you know, we need to get in and get the crop off in a short space of time. And particularly for those guys further north, you know, we just can't risk another flood coming through because that will ruin a lot of
4: crops.
0: Yeah, definitely and and are there are there any issues with waterlogging at the moment? Is that something that people are having to deal with?
3: There's been waterlogged patches and we've had those all through winter really. So we've had a really wet run. Like like a lot of the eastern states, we've had quite a wet run right through. So we've got waterlogged patches, we've got patches that didn't come up, we've got patches where flood waters come through and done quite a bit of soil topsoil damage cut gullies so yeah we are sort of it is a difficult harvest in terms of getting around paddocks and getting to paddocks and having to cut out little blocks and run off tram lines and all those types of things that we like to do so yeah we are having to compromise in a few situations absolutely
0: Yeah for sure and obviously those floodwaters that have come through many areas you know unfortunately aside from some of the damage that they've done to crops and the waterlogging issues they also bring weed seeds into areas that they might not have otherwise been in. How are people going to be able to deal with those potentially increased weed seed bank issues because of those flood conditions?
3: Yeah absolutely I mean prior to it getting wet here we've had sort of 10 or 15 years of resistant weeds breeding up in creeks and In the last three years, we had quite a few floods across. So knowing where your water goes is imperative and knowing, having a pretty fair idea of what's above you in terms of what's in the creeks and where those weeds could be potentially deposited and how we deal with those next year. So knowing where the water goes, have a plan of what crop's going in and then how you're going to tackle those weeds for next year is is imperative. So it's a good time while people are on headers and harvesters to actually see where weeds are germinated and, you know, to get a good feel for where the weedy patches are that they might need to concentrate on next year.
0: Certainly. And, you know, I guess these sort of conditions mean that you probably need to plan a little bit further out even still because, you know, you can assume that you're probably going to have more weeds than you otherwise would. What would you suggest for growers two to three years out? What do they need to be thinking about?
3: Well, oh, two to three years out, absolutely. That should be in everyone's long-term planning you know, in terms of you know, running the big six, of running residuals, having some harvest weed seed management, which we don't have a lot of here in the north of New South Wales. So I think that's somewhere where people can really concentrate on it and get on top of things. And that'll, that'll show out this year, I think, coming, that we have had some weed escapes. We've had trouble getting on the paddocks to spray over winter. The conditions haven't been ideal. For spraying we've done quite a bit of aerial spraying so some of the tank mixes have been compromised so having those things in the back of your head and what may have escaped and how you're going to tackle those knowing the ecology of those weeds will be will be imperative for the next three years absolutely
0: and yeah, you mentioned Ariel's application there for spraying, you know, we spoke with Paul Mack, uh, you know, not too long ago and he said that it was uh, difficult for some people to get those spray contractors out in the plains. Has that been more accessible now? How's that played out?
3: Yeah, a lot of spray rigs are getting access to paddocks. There is quite a bit of flood damage, where so there's patches of either silt or gullies where people haven't been able to get a spray rig, so... Yeah, you know, those patches are either out of control or they've had to be controlled in another way. So it's not as easy. So and you know those silt patches carry a lot of weed seeds. So that's the areas that we will see a lot of lot of weeds come. And hopefully, you know, people can get onto those. They can dry out. So people can get onto them to tackle them as part of their regular spray program. But yes, at the moment, it, you know, it's difficult to get to them. So mm. they are having to make a special trip out or get a plane to do those patches, which isn't always easy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And is there anything else people need to be thinking about at the moment in your region when it comes to you know their, their harvest or you know thinking what they need to be doing in the next couple of months?
3: Well, with harvest, I think Maury Street started this a long time ago at Gower. Having some envelopes in the header where you can collect some weed seeds and send them away for testing, that's a really good idea, I think. Also, just having a really good idea while you're driving ahead, or get the contractors to keep an eye out for where particular weedy patches are. They may not be in their normal, normal places, so get your contractors or the harvester operator to have a good idea of where those weeds are and then get a plan in your head for next year or next crop that's coming of how you're going to deal with those weeds.
0: Definitely, Peter. Well, great tips and, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that things are drying out and, fingers crossed, that it continues to play out in a more positive light for all the farmers in your region.
3: It's been difficult but everybody's everybody's got their chins up. We're uh, into harvest and hopefully the, everything continues and it gets a bit easier from here.
0: Definitely. Fingers crossed. Uh, have a great Christmas and New Year.
3: You as well, you as well. And good luck to everybody for harvest.
0: Thank you so much to Pete McKenzie there. Great for him to be able to have a chat with us. Pete, he did mention there, you know, resistance testing, the importance of that, uh, but having, you know, the kit just in the cab there, having an envelope just ready to go, because sometimes that's just the, you know, the push you need to be able to do these sort of things, isn't it? It's just like making it easier.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, he mentioned Murray Street there and Murray, I think he did it through there. Through the Goa group, but even if you just have an A4 envelope and just write the word resistance test on it, you have a few of them in the header cab. <laughs> it can just be that reminder, but also just that that bag that you need to put put some weed samples into, and and just make sure that you get some uh, resistance testing done. So just a good message there, just having the envelope in the cab.
0: That's it. I mean, you know, I've been out a couple of years ago and meant to collect some seeds and I forgot to bring an envelope and I had to find some kind of shopping bag in the back of my car to get some seeds to bring back to the RE office. So I can definitely say that that is a good thing to do. I think that a good Yeah, Jess, I've put easier.
1: weeds <laughs> and soil samples and all sorts of things in all sorts of different yeah. things. My lunchbox is often uh, yeah. a very handy thing to use.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but thank you to Pete there. We're going to uh, go to the southern region now and hear from Yana Dixon who is our uh, high ample zone agronomist Pete one of the things Yana mentions in her chat is that you know generating a three-year plan is really critical to be able to deal with weeds over the long term can you walk us through why that's you know a, a good thing to do
1: yeah, Jess, I mean, it's continuing this theme of these uh, waterlog blowout, weed blowout areas, and, and Jana really talks about um, mapping where they are. I mean, you're in the harvester. It's just a great time of making some notes as you go about where they are and then ranking the paddocks in terms of which ones have the biggest challenge ahead of them and, and using that in your planning. So, it once again, it probably seems a little obvious to suggest that, but it's one of those things that you might get to the end of harvest and think, oh, I wish I'd, I'd sort of written myself a few notes. So... Anything, writing some notes in your phone or doing some sort of mapping in the harvester to map those areas and yeah, use that in your, in your planning to, to get back on top of these weedy patches.
0: Yep, definitely. All right, well, let's jump in and hear from Jana. In this chat, we're catching up with our high rainfall zone agronomist Jana Dixon, who is based in Clare, South Australia. How are you going, Jana? I'm um, well, thank you Jess, how are you? I'm good. Now we're catching up about obviously the wet harvest, lots of regions across the eastern seaboard and South Australia have, have experienced quite wet conditions over the last few weeks and it's had varying challenges depending on where you are. Can you give us a bit of insight into what's happening in your area?
4: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I guess I'm based in the mid-north of South Australia and consulting as well a bit in the lower north region and it is been quite variable just with timing where people's crops are at and those sort of things. So yeah, October and November were potentially some of the the wettest months on record for that time of year for for some of my clients. So I guess where I'm located about 100 mils fell in both October and November, which is about double the usual total. Mm. And yeah, that created a few issues just with starting harvest in the earlier regions, doing hay for people that are pretty big into a hay operation and particularly a crop like canola, um, some issues with wind rowing and, and definitely the people who haven't been able to get the wind rowing and um, are having to direct harvest or yeah, desiccate and, and reap the standing crops or, or in some cases not even being able to desiccate them, just reap them standing. But yeah, that was sort of October, November and for a while that felt like, it would never stop raining, but now yeah. the last week of November, now we're at the 1st of December, it's sort of yeah, it's cleared up and we've got a really good run ahead of us for the next week or so in terms of harvest. So, yeah, it's, it's um, full steam ahead in the early regions, which is great.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And obviously there's been additional soil moisture, quite significant, uh, you know, double the rainfall that you expected. That obviously, you know, creates a good environment for weeds over that summer period. What would your tips be for farmers in your region to deal with that, you know, looming issue?
4: Yeah, yeah. No, we're definitely seeing that um, some early germination of of summer weeds and it's a pretty fine line between winter weeds and summer weeds. It's all sort of blurred a little bit this year, but um, definitely paddocks that are going to have heaps of residual moisture like legume stubbles. And hay stubbles, just getting people to, to really keep in mind that they're going to have to get onto those paddocks as soon as possible. For um, a few leg in stubbles, particularly lentils in this part of the world, um, we're having to do a bit of a double knock desiccation strategy for, for broadleaf weeds and, and getting the, the material through a seed mill and those sort of things, which is a really great start to sort of bring forward your, your first summer weed path because there is a few summer weeds up already and a weed such as milk thistle which will hang on all summer. I mean, it's really great that we've been able to implement a double-knock strategy and sort of really brown out paddocks and, and just take the pressure off that first pass. And obviously hay stubbles, if they didn't have a, a pre-hay glyphosate or a, if they didn't get sprayed under the cutter bar, they're going to be um, green as green. So getting the hay off the paddock and spraying them as soon as possible is going to be critical, especially if you're, you're really targeting hay just for ryegrass control, and making sure you, you haven't compromised your your ryegrass job by letting the weeds get through.
0: Yeah, no, good tips, Yana. And, you know, is there anything else that farmers are dealing with or having challenges with at the moment? And is there anything that uh, you can suggest to, you know, sort of get through this tough harvest in terms of those wet conditions? Are there any other compromises and, and strategies available to growers? Yeah,
4: yeah. You probably already mentioned, like, this year's going to be a massive year of compromises. So I guess people that had everything planned out, they're, they're looking to implement range of strategies at at harvest time but obviously we can't pick the weather and and haven't been able to do so I think just really keeping in mind you know the end goal like the goal is to to get the crop off in a reasonable sort of time frame do it in a safe manner look after your team and really not to get caught up on some things that you weren't able to implement um, and really focus on the big picture and I guess just looking forward like I guess a number of people who might not have been able to implement harvest weed seed control or had to take off a mill or those sort of things. Just really looking forward to the next step. So getting organised for summer spring and then looking forward to next season and what strategies are you you're going to implement going forward. So I sort of, a bit of a, a approach I take is firstly, while you're out there, rank your paddocks. So rank how weedy some of your paddocks are in terms of ryegrass or, or any other weeds and, and make notes when you're, driving around the farm when you're in the header. So then when it comes to the planning session next year, you've got an idea of a bit of a, a priority order in terms of how weedy your paddocks are and then think about next year's strategies um, in terms of stacking as many of the big six strategies as you can, especially on your, um, your paddocks with a really high weed burden and then planning. So what's going to happen in these paddocks next year and the following year and the following year after that? So make a bit of a, a three-year plan um, because we know this year, With the wet conditions, waterlogging, there's going to be some significant ryegrass blowouts across the board really and we might not be able to address them immediately now because our priority is just getting harvest off but we can start thinking about the next few years and how we're going to tackle these problem paddocks.
0: Certainly, Yana. great advice. Well, we might leave it there. Thank you so much for sharing what's going on in your part of the world at the moment and, yeah, hopefully everything goes as well as it can for growers in your region as well as everyone across the country. So thank you so much. No worries, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you so much to Yana Dixon, there, our high rainfall zone agronomist. Pete Yana mentioned that there will be more moisture in legumes and hay. Uh, why is this a potential issue for weeds?
1: I guess just just more moisture going into summer, and then we've now we've had you know some harvest rainfall for a lot of growers. So there's going to be more moisture there for summer weeds to grow. So those those are the priority areas to start your summer weed spraying, I guess. So yeah, really really good message there. Just if growers are thinking about getting in and starting getting on top of summer weeds, probably those legumes and hay paddocks is the best place to start.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And finally, we're going to be hearing from Greg Condon. He is our Southern Extension agronomist based in New South Wales. And obviously, we know that New South Wales and, and other parts of Victoria and so on have had significant flood events. And, and, and you know, we our thoughts are really with the people that had significant flood affected areas at their place. Um, but, yeah, hope from what we hear from Greg, things are starting to dry out a bit and, and harvest is going ahead. Uh, what struck you about this conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean Greg, we've been talking to him all year, haven't we Jess? Mm. We get on our Weed Smart catch up and he tells us more stories of more rain and more bogs and more waterlogging and and so on and it's still going on I mean, it's just phenomenal I was talking to a grower from from New South Wales this week. And he was telling me about harvesting his direct heading canola while there was water in the paddock and wow. not getting bogged. Like it just did not make any sense. I, I really take my head off to them. It is quite remarkable when and I, and I said to him, look, we've never seen anything like that. And he said, well, neither have we, but we're somehow managing to harvest this crop. So yeah. the resilience of farmers, Jess, is never ceases to amaze me. And this is just another
0: example. Definitely. All right, well, let's jump into our chat with Greg. In this chat I'm catching up with our Southern Extension agronomist Greg Condon and we're going to be talking about harvest conditions in his region. Greg joins me now. How are you going, Greg?
2: Going well, Jess, yourself?
0: Pretty good. Now, you know, we've been getting a few different perspectives from Jana and Pete um, in this podcast and uh, talking about overall how harvest has been going. Obviously, in your patch, as many people would be aware, there's been, you know, in some areas quite a lot of flooding and, and this has led to a wet harvest and for some people it's led to really unfortunate conditions. But can you give us a little bit of an overview of, you know, how things have panned out for harvest this year?
2: Yeah, thanks, Jess. I guess it's uh, actually cleared up in the last two weeks, but not, we've had some really good weather, so growers are still getting bogged, but not to the extent that we thought we would be two weeks ago. Everyone's well-equipped with uh, gear to help pull headers out, pull trucks out, and try and do it safely. We're still encouraging people to be really conscious of a lot of those messages that came out through some of the Farmers Association and uh, work safe and the like around getting gear out safely but it's actually going a bit better than we thought with the weather so canola is largely done or, or still in the process as you get into some of the high rainfall areas some people are starting on barley and then wheat wheat will follow with flavor beans and other pulses in the middle so it's a bit of a mixed bag would be a good description yeah so it, the impact of that that wet season has sort of flowed through to harvest and the crop's it just couldn't really handle ongoing um, wet conditions, but it's also the linkages with, with low sunlight. So Felicity Harris, who's now with CSU, has actually done some studies to show it was a really low, I guess, what would they describe it, low light intensity for the whole winter period and then into spring as well, which has uh, had a bit of an influence uh, on top of the waterlogging. So a bit variable um, in terms of yields and actual outcomes when, when the harvester has, has got in.
0: Yeah, right, and we'll go into sort of yield quality, uh, yield what you're yielding and the grain quality in a minute. But in terms of uh, compromises, what have farmers had to do in terms of what they've had to you know, compromise on at harvest time? It's, has there been anything that they've been prevented from doing, like not being able to windrow in your patch and, and getting machinery on the ground?
2: Correct, yeah. So we, we do windrow a lot or swath, as other people in the country call it, but there's been more direct heading done this year with success, actually. So we've really learned... JDC did a great webinar with a range of stakeholders a couple of weeks ago, and we've got a lot more confidence to be able to direct head canola than we have in the past. So uh, that's um, that's been a big a big change, quite a positive outcome. So that uh, that we're unable to get on country, where we're sort of limited in our ability to rowing and limited in our ability to crop topping. So there's a lot less crop topping went on this year, particularly in canola, but also in pulses as well. So the economics around aerial application and success when they're just leaving buffer zones and all the like, it was just really challenging for the aerial operators to sort of land and, and get going. So we, we were unable to um, do that. So they're probably the two biggest compromises, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, okay, Greg. And, you know, you mentioned crop topping there. What results are you getting so far for your canola and feed and barley?
2: Well, canola in particular, so we just looked at some recently with, with um, just had a glyphosate application that 20 to 30% seed colour changes per the label. And the ryegrass control was remarkable. So it's interesting we we see that effect, which is talked about in the literature, but yeah, applying glyphosate to ryegrass late in the season at that mature stage when conditions are favorable is uh, really successful. So uh, we've had some good cleanups on South thistle as well with straight glyphosate in, in the crop topping. So where people have been able to do it or there's been you know, some capable aerial applications, uh, we've been surprisingly happy with the outcome.
0: Well, that's good. And what can people do in the follow-up after this, Greg?
2: Well, there still will be some harvest wheat seed control go on, Jess. So there's a few diehards out there that will do a bit of narrow windrow burning. We've got a number of growers using chaff decks or chaff tram mining, So that will happen and follow up on some of that crop topping. The uh, mills, it's a bit of a challenge for people with mills being conscious of bogging, but most people have sort of left them on. And the way that the harvest is panning out being a little bit uh, drier, is helping as I um, get. Yeah, the, the conditions are, are taking up you know, better every day. So uh, that follow up on the on the crop topping with some harvest weed seed control is good. We've seen very little hay made, so that's uh, have implications for for ryegrass in, in areas that possibly were targeted to go to some sort of cereal hay. In, in particular, was there any vetch hay made? Just too wet in late spring, so. The take-home from speaking to a lot of agronomists and uh, some growers, and actually came up with the crop protection forum recently in Wagga, is these weed seed blowouts this year will will be with us for quite a few years. So that's that's something we'll have to deal with at a paddock level, at a, a whole farm level, and there's a whole range of tools within WeedSmart to do that, as you know, Jess. So yeah. but yeah, there's some there's some big weed seed banks that will um will flow through from 2022.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, from the, you know, extra uh, soil moisture, but as well as, you know, those floodwaters going through some areas, there's probably, you know, weed seeds that have come from different areas in, and, you know, they've gone on a holiday to other areas where they might not have otherwise found themselves. Do you have any commentary around that, Greg?
2: Yeah, it is a big issue. You see weeds moving across the landscape in, in water flows, so particularly, uh, well, the Murray still flooding uh, as it's moving its way south and um, saw some images in, in vineyards of, of water moving through areas. So that is a challenge, uh, area-wide weed, weed management uh, with sort of weeds coming from other regions. So that always creates uh, new challenges. But I guess the, the sort of big point coming on from some of that is just people sort of being aware of their seed banks from existing weed populations and how they're going to deal with that probably not a lot going to happen at harvest we've done all the crop top we've had as i said some people will do a bit of harvest weed seed control but it's just those levers that people will be able to pull in the next two to three years to claw our way back
0: yeah certainly greg and you know obviously some crop is coming off now can you talk a bit about what is happening with yields and, and grain quality so far
2: variable <laughs> so you've got uh yeah crops aren't quite yielding what they were expected for a range of reasons We had some late season disease in or in canola particularly and in cereals so that's taken the top end out and they were sort of diseases that we normally were not justified to target so alternaria in canola or septoria in wheat where we're in a medium rainfall zone, higher rainfall zone operators are, are probably you know, across that. We're, we're not. We don't generally target it. So that's, that's caught us out a little bit. So, yeah, yields have been low, lower than what was expected and quality of some of the seed has... People starting a little bit of wheat now has been a bit off as well. So yet to see how barley will come in, but there's uh, there's a lot of variability out there and some of that's linked to that low sunlight influence that we talked about and, and low day degrees. But um, yeah, crops have sort of been anaerobic in their roots for, for basically six or seven months of the year. So we're expecting a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Okay, Greg. And what about planning? So obviously you've sort of set the scene for what's happening at the moment, but what should growers in your area be thinking about uh, going forward? considering all of the, you know, wet conditions and sea bank issues?
2: Yeah, there's there's a few important things in planning. So as, as growers a sort of go through with the, the rotation outlines, what they're going to do for the next year or so. Input prices are still significant, so that's having a bearing on um, people's enterprise choices. So canola, whilst it is uh, a high-margin crop, it can be very profitable. It, it does take a lot of money to grow. So cash flow with some people could be a bit um, yeah, depressed after this year, unfortunately, so that, that'll come into play. Um, Their options around where pulses will fit in, where wheat and barley will fit in as well. So... Uh, there's a quite a lot of um, cleaning up to do in terms of not just seed banks but bog marks in paddocks. So that's that's going to be a bit of a a task over the summer. But um, yeah, I think the rotations will see a slight shift to create that diversity, and uh, and we're sort of seeing it in, in in this region and and further south as well to uh, help fix a little bit more nitrogen and and probably go to a little bit of a lower input system where people have uh, have sort of you know, taken a bit of a hit this year and want to sort of claw back. It won't be every paddock. It'll just be strategic yeah, to set the business up for, uh, I guess, not as, uh, not as high risk in terms of crop choice.
0: Yep, that makes sense. And any final comments, Greg?
2: Uh, summer fallows are the next task, Jess. Uh, you're loathe to sort of put pressure on growers <laughs> when they're in the midst of harvest, but uh, we've been out checking a few summer fallows and, all those great rules of thumb around trying to target small summer weeds now are uh, ever present. So we're looking to do that, and, and the, the mix and rotate that we talk about in in growing growing season is also applies in summer. and, and growers are really prepared now to sort of use, say, glyphosate active on its own, and then and come back and double knock. So that that's um, more more double knocking will potentially happen in the in the summer because some of the uh, the weeds underneath these crops of canola or faba beans or the like. are are pretty actively growing, so the summer fallow programs are kicked in the gear and people are um, yeah, juggling that around their harvest uh, their harvest time.
0: All right, Greg, well, great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for giving your insights on your area and hopefully, yeah, harvest uh, goes well, as well as it can for people in your patch.
2: Yes, thanks, Yes, That's all. I'm not too negative, but it's just a bit of reality at the present time, so we'll come through it. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to have a chat.
0: Thank you so much to our southern extension agronomist, Greg Condon there and pete yeah like we said at the top you know they're finally getting to harvest now and and some sunlight looks like it's peeking through the clouds uh for the people in greg's part of the world which is really great to see yeah any any comments on greg's chat
1: yeah, I mean, I guess the New South Wales growers didn't need a scientific study to tell them that they'd had low sunlight. They've yeah. probably been <laughs> hanging out for some vitamin D this year, Jess, so glad to hear that they are finally, finally getting some. Um, but yeah, very interesting to just hear what what effect that low sunlight has had, had on the crop. But yeah, just once again, Jess, it's another story of weed blowouts and um, the Weed Smart Big Six will be referred to from, you know, we talk about it a lot but for these blowout areas it's just a bit of a reminder of how to have a multi-pronged attack at, at those areas, isn't it? And it's going to take a few years but at least we know that we can have a win if we put our mind to it.
0: Certainly. And thanks again to all of our interviewees for this episode, Pete McKenzie, Yana Dixon and Greg Condon. Uh, Pete, we've got some really excellent content up on the Weed Smart website. Our content producer, Cindy Benjamin, has been very busy this month. There's a stack of new articles on the website for listeners to check out so some of the highlights we've got an article which talks about how caution is required when retaining rain affected seed so dr greg Rabetsky from csiro provides some valuable information on this which is really topical isn't it pete and yeah do you have any comments around retaining rain affected seed
1: yeah, we sort of had a few emails go around the group after Cindy put this article together, Jess, and I just said to Greg, how, how on earth do you say, oh, let's get seed from the less weather-affected areas when everything is weather-affected? Mm. And, and Greg pointed us to some um, good information on the GRDC website that was actually put together for last year, Jess. So, um, yeah, I guess it's about retaining the best quality, best of the bad bunch, I guess, yeah. or maybe even buying seed in from a whole other farming district altogether where the rain hasn't been so bad at harvest.
0: Yep. And uh, we also have a comprehensive article looking at how the WeedSmart Big Six can be implemented for mallee Farms in New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia. Our Southern Extension agronomists Chris Davey and Greg Condon provide some really excellent insights into this one, so make sure you check that out. And Pete, we've got a very exciting case study this month with Michael Nichols, who's from Sisters Creek in Tasmania. So the Nichols family has a passion for soil health and biodiversity, their Red Bank Farming operation at Sisters creek which is just northwest of launceston is an intense and multifaceted business so michael and his wife rochelle they at least the 385 hectare farm from the family trust and 170 hectares is Arable land and it's divided into 27 hectare blocks. So, very different from the farming systems we usually are talking about. And it's on uniform red basalt clay to loam soil and can be irrigated in six days. And this is the part that really excites me about this case study. It's such an interesting one. So, uh, grain production is from wheat, barley, and canola provides an effective break from intense horticultural cropping. Their six year crop rotation centres on potatoes for French fries, onions, and poppies in rotation with a wide variety of cereal and horticultural crops. So a really different one for you to check out. Pete, did this one uh, uh, pique your interest?
1: Oh, Jess, I just thought if the Wheat Smart Big Six could be applied to potatoes, onions and poppies, I would be thrilled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would
1: really show just how, how uh, diverse our, our range of rotation options are that's yeah i really enjoyed reading that article and just the fact that someone growing totally different crops might look at the weed smart big six fantastic
0: it's excellent and yeah a really great read so all of the links to those articles will be in the show notes or if you just head to the weed smart website you'll find them there but pete what's the best way for people to keep in touch with us
1: Twitter and Facebook, Jess, we post all of our articles, videos and podcasts on these platforms and it's a great way to have good discussions with other growers and agronomists and just make sure that you've signed up for our monthly newsletter, the Weed Smart Whip Around, it's a monthly roundup of all of our new content so you can easily click on what is relevant to you.
0: Thanks, Pete. And thanks for joining us for the final podcast for 2022. This year, we published 23 episodes uh, in our seventh season. So we've been going for a while, Pete. We've been around the block. And uh, yeah, some just I thought we'd just finish off with some interesting stats because it's, it's pretty cool that we've been around this long. And the podcast space, as we know, has really exploded. There's so many podcasts around and, and we're just so thankful to having a loyal listenership still to the Weed Smart podcast. So uh, this year, we've had 21,000 downloads, which is double the, the downloads that we received in the previous year of 2021. So that's really excellent. And uh, our mission with the podcast is to share relevant and timely information with you on weed control options to inform the decisions you make on farm. And yeah, we hope that we've helped you in some way in that process. Do you have any uh, comments around that, Pete, or any final words for 2022 that kind of wrap up the year we've had?
1: Oh, that's amazing, Jess. I didn't realise that we doubled our downloads in mm. one year. Can we do 42,000 next well, year? Well, maybe, that-
0: <laughs> if people spread the word.
1: <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a KPI for you. <laughs> oh, no, I just wish everyone a Merry Christmas and uh, and a safe harvest, Jess. There's a, there's a long harvest going on in very challenging conditions. And, and you know, we've had some accidents and even some deaths uh, already, this harvest, which is horrific to hear. Then let's just uh, hope that everyone can have a safe harvest from here on.
0: Definitely. And just finally, my my final plea for 2022 is to uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a massive help for us to get the word out about Weed Smart. And if you haven't already subscribed, make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app of choice by searching Weed Smart Podcast. But yeah, Pete, I echo those sentiments. Everybody have a safe harvest and I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas and New Year. And we look forward to being in your ears in 2023.
1: We'll see you then.